0: everyone, Mark the Canardian here. This is another exciting episode of Friend Force 99 where we are bringing you the Secret Friends Unite review of The Bad Batch Season 2. We're going to be starting today with Pabu, Episode 13, Season 2. Kay, let's start with you.
1: Episode 13, Pabu. I'm going to be honest, I'm not really sure where this episode was going and I'm a bit confused by it. I mean, it started off really fun with Fee and Omega having that very Bouner honey esque interaction with some guys in the cool helmets, but then it kind of wandered into like a side quest slash vacation episode where the team was just hanging out on an island that seemed pretty akin to paradise. I mean, it wasn't quite all feasting and relaxation after some random once-in-like-a-30-year earthquake happened to create a tsunami that nearly swallowed Omega and her new friend whole but even despite the natural disaster, everything seemed to kind of smack of quaintness and the real, like, leave it to beaver type of vibe. So even though this was supposed to be a lighthearted episode, that tsunami was maybe some of the most nerve-wracking moments for me yet this season. And it was really one of the first times, you know, this uh, season, and maybe the only time now that I think of it, where we really saw Omega truly scared. She seemed genuinely terrified by this. And, I mean, just a few episodes ago, we saw her literally hanging over the edge of a boiling open pit mine without seeming any consideration for her safety. She was just yelling at the droid to let her go. I mean, even earlier this episode, we saw her sitting next to Fee as they went through this whole shootout and heist, really without a care in the world. Like, she seemed to think it was fun. But now, with this tsunami happening, she's really faced with this kind of force to be reckoned with. And she doesn't know how to handle it and you just you see a genuine fear really on all of their faces because this isn't the empire this isn't some sort of shootout they're not really sure how to get themselves out of it. So that said I do wonder if this episode was meant to reiterate that even in an idyllic situation the team can never truly be assured with their safety. There will always be something whether it's the empire or otherwise that threatens their well-being. Now Then again, maybe I'm reading too much into it, and they just didn't, or they just wanted a breather episode before going into the final three. After all, there's a lot of unpleasantness that's been looming over them this season. There's the strife with Sid, the Zillow Beast, and Nala Se crosshair, and I'm still not convinced that the creation of Omega is as straightforward as Nala Se would want us to believe, but who knows. All I know is that every time in the past when they've done a quote-unquote filler episode, there's always some sort of through line, even if it's just in like a little B-plot, that ties back into the overarching plot, even if I haven't seen it when I watch the episode. So I'm just curious if I'm going to be able to look back on something and be like, ah, yeah, okay, that's why that happened. So I think the high point for me in this entire episode was that Fee has a thing for tech and he seems utterly confused by it. That was great. And... The low point would be the lack of the tie-in for the rest of the season, at least for right now. Like I said, maybe that will change once the episode releases, but for now, that was kind of a bummer.
2: Charlie, you're up. All right. So episode 13 is Pabu. Hmm. What did I think overall? Pabu. It looks really lovely for the Empire to poop on. That's a Conan O'Brien reference. If you're a fan, you get it. If you don't, you're not. Uh, it's just an idyllic, lovely place is something for the Empire to come along and, and blow up. So that's that's definitely coming. Um, as far as otherwise, the pace of the episode, I loved um, pulling us out uh, of the regular parlance of running around doing missions, things exploding, whatever it is. No Empire in this episode. No dip out to the side story, uh, which I really enjoyed, but it didn't really feel like it brought things to a screeching halt, which can, uh, in my opinion, sometimes happen in The Mandalorian, so I'm really glad that that was not the case this go-round. Um I loved, as far as character moments go, uh, watching Omega, and then the boys, you know, the, the Bad Batch, the lads, uh, watching her Uh, Really experience what it's like to have some human feelings, uh, to have some adolescent feelings of making a friend her same age and enjoying, you know, simple things like uh, laughing, uh, you know, looking at the local wild critters and being all silly while the little monkeys are jumping all over, Uh, going out, taking a skiff and, and sailing, just having some some deep conversations about, you know, when she's talking about, you know, her growing up on Camino, Omega talking about growing up on Camino and and loving the ocean, and then her new friend saying, well, you know, this could be your home as well. Um, and we're going to see a little bit more about that. Admittedly, I'm recording this as I've watched the last four episodes, so we know that this, this conversation does come up again. Um, my favorite scenes. Uh I, I did I did love the open uh with I always refer to, to Fee's character simply as Wanda Sykes because I love Wanda Sykes so much. So she's just Wanda Sykes to me. Don't really care. You'd call you call her blibbity blobby blue, and it wouldn't matter to be Wanda Sykes to me. But I love sitting around the table uh doing um pirate business and it's this it's the it's bring your tween clone to work day, bring your kid to work day. Super progressive. Uh, and I love the um the poison slugs from Attack of the Clones. Those things are um I'm bound to determine to get stabbed uh no matter what if it's you know if it's with the lightsaber or if it's with um any old uh stabby device I love it so
0: thank you Charlie uh for me this episode was I kind of a, a a peek at what could be I think for the clones uh, I I don't think even watching this the first time I didn't think like this was retirement for them. I, I figured they were going to be pulled back to the fray, but it was nice seeing them find their place in a different society. Are they more than soldiers? What else can they do? And I think we saw a little bit of that. Uh Wrecker just really took to things. Same with Omega. She started making friends. She started having fun. Uh, her con she she continued training and we saw that with some maneuvers and, and different things that they were doing but you know you, you still have to learn you still have to go to school you still have to do things that a kid would do and her her dad brothers are going to do that with her wherever they are but it may not be all militaristic uh, if they could stay here so i really liked seeing that and it was more focused on useful things. Flying, for instance, that's going to be useful no matter what you're doing in in the Star Wars galaxy. So it was really kind of cool to see that side of things. And uh we know that they can still kick ass when they have to, but it was it was a nice kind of a peek at maybe what hopefully could come for for these these guys and gals Like I said, I think they're going to get drawn back in, but, uh, it was, it was a nice break. Um, I do, it's, it's kind of funny that I, I like seeing that no matter where they are, uh, I know Kay already mentioned like, you know, no matter where they are, they're not safe. I kind of took a different spin on that when, when I saw it, it was no matter where they are, they can still help yes, they're not safe. It's a dangerous universe. It's a dangerous planet and world. And wherever they find themselves, there are going to be dangers, just like in the real world, there's going to be turmoil and things to overcome. But in the case of the clones, how can they be useful if they're not soldiers? Well, they saved a ton of people during this tsunami. They made themselves useful as humanitarians, as saviors, not as warriors. You can't fight a tsunami. You can't shoot a tsunami with lasers and expect it to go away. A tsunami is a force of nature and they couldn't fight it. So they just helped. And I loved seeing that because they're so used to helping people through destruction or simply, I guess in a roundabout way, helping people, but sometimes just destruction, you know, sometimes the mission isn't save this village. Sometimes it's just attack this group of empire thugs or attack this group of things. So they're not always saving a cute Wookiee Jedi. Sometimes it's, it's just straight up destruction and and blow this thing up. And to see this where they couldn't blow it up, they couldn't do anything against it. So the mission was just to save people and it wasn't giving them, given them by anything other than we want to live here. We love these people. Let's save them. Let's do what we can. Let's use our skills outside of our usual mindset and and be of use. So I loved seeing that. I'd love to see more of this, but I think they're going to be taken out of it pretty quickly.
1: Bad Batch Episode 14 Tipping Point. We are finally getting somewhere. This season definitely feels more wandery than the first in my opinion at least. It's been slow to give us meat, but boy, howdy, did it supply a full smorgasbord of delights on this one. We're finally getting to see the clone troopers at their best with Echo's new commando team, as they take over a whole ship with like, what, five or six guys? The inferior stormtroopers have nothing on them and they soon fall to their superior tactics and prowess and training. Of course, when they make it to the bridge, the officer in charge is quickly wiping all the data to, you know, hide all of the Empire's dirty deeds. Rather than being captured, he goes full fascist and bites an electrical bullet, so to speak, quickly ending his life rather than risk talking to the enemy. I did see some familiarity, though, with the means of his suicide and that of the assassination clone who was sent after Senator Tucci uh, just a few episodes ago. It makes me wonder if that trooper was maybe the first iteration of Hemlock's solution to the clone problem, because obviously there's some tie-in together as far as the officer who was leading that ship to Hemlock's crew, or to Hemlock's, I guess, secret base, and possibly this assassin clone. Maybe it involves brainwashing slash rewiring the trooper to be more robots in meat suits than actual people. It wouldn't be outside of Hemlock's viewpoint as he's not shy to reiterate that, at least in his opinion, clone troopers are nothing more than Imperial property, and much like any other piece of equipment, they should be able to do whatever they want with them. You know, save for that whole pesky sentience thing. Always it seems to get in the way of dastardly plans, that sentience. I was excited to see the band back together, with Echo returning to have tech decrypt the files that they had gotten off the prisoner ship. Hunter is still contemplating a potential retirement, which is just feels so obviously something that is going to go terribly wrong to throw a wrench in that. And of course, something immediately goes wrong. Because they get a message from Crosshair, which just happens to be that wrench. I was thrilled to see my man come back to his senses and realize that his loyalties lie with his squad, not the Empire. But once again, was left for wanting when it came to what Hemlock's plan was for him outside of getting Omega. Like, I still don't know why he's so interested in Crosshair. Obviously, he was brought over there before they realized that they needed Omega. So why is he there? Why is Hemlock so interested in him? Um, the highs were definitely seeing Echo and his team be absolute badasses while handing those stormtroopers their asses. Um, Lowe's, still maybe not enough meat on this bone. We've got two episodes left, and there still seems to be more questions than answers.
2: All right, episode 14 is tipping point. Woohoo! Holy cow. I love this nice cold open. You're seeing a grim prison situation. Uh, You've got uh, prisoners being shuffled uh, from a prison site onto a transport to go to the mysterious Dr. Hemlock's stronghold, though we get a little bit more into that as things evolve. And then we see our gang show up. We've got our core force of 99. We've got other guys uh, that they, clones that they've rescued along the way. Um, This is, and again, you know, I I think we find um, as we continue to watch the um, post-prequel trilogy era in this very early portion, we're seeing the evolution of the Rebellion in Pockets. Of course, we're most aware of from the cutscene of, of cutscenes of episode three, uh, the you know, conversation that was happening with Padme and Mon Mothman Bail Ghana about we gotta do something, we gotta form some kind of resistance, we have to fight. Whatever, that's a bunch of talk. These guys are action. So to me, I feel like since this is only a year or so after episode three, that this is the real in action um delivering on uh, you know fighting back kind of thing happening and i and i love that and and we do end up seeing saw guerrera um and uh and his gang as well who are you know obviously uh fighting things from on to back in the clone wars uh becoming th- that strong insurgency um i do love the the imp uh commander of the ship who when he's uh drawn down by hunter he does the hail hydra and bite my poison tooth moment and electrocutes himself so very Jonestown, just proof that that the hardcores in the Empire are just like the hardcores in the Hydra of, of the Marvel Comics and the Marvel films. And so I just I thought that was pretty telling. I kind of dug on that. Um, my Some of my favorite scenes the space battle and the rescue at the beginning is awesome. But like I said, I, the, the imps don't really care about themselves at all, which is, is such a compare contrast to the fact that they're no longer clones. They're just regular people who don't really care about blowing up their basically their coworkers, the other people who were part of the cause um and that's and that's a sad situation um because you just you see these these imps coming in and the these the the v-wing starfighters and just shooting at their ship and and with the ultimate goal of simply killing those who are trying to rescue but but again killing killing those who are there to be rescued um but really all they really care about is orders and not having their tech uh, compromised. They're blindly loyal in a way that the clones uh, started to not be. And that's really telling of, of this entire scenario and really everything that we've seen this season. So uh, I love the return of the medical torture droid or Dr. Ball as uh, portrayed in an episode of the old Robot Chicken uh, series on uh, Comedy Central Com- Cartoon Network. Um, that was pretty fun. i I dug that um i loved it when cross it looked like crosshair was going to get out and he was doing what i call jack bauer shit which if you're a fan of the old fox show 24 of which i'm a huge fan it was cool to see him doing that to break out even though alas it ultimately did not come to pass um the flying lessons uh between tech and omega are fantastic Um, but again, I, I mentioned this, uh, when I was doing a recent episode of code 47, this was a real buddy cop speech moment where you've got two characters spending time together and realizing that they value each other's company or, you know, admitting long lost feelings. And then one of them is going to die. Uh, so it, it, it's a trope, but we know it's a trope and it's a trope that ends up working as you see, as we get into this two part finale. So, um, as far as story progression, this is where things are really coming to a pitch. Um, where we got a nice little breather, you know, in episode thirteen with Pabu. Um, now we're getting things are starting to get really serious. Um, and you know, evil nurse. Uh, I, I I've got her name later on in the notes, but I like evil nurse better, even though her her you start to figure out that her guides, or her excuse me her. Uh, intentions are a little bit more dubious her accent is a dead giveaway we kind of know where this is going and and that is what we're going to find out
0: Thank you Charlie and Kay, what can I say that you haven't already said for this one, this was uh, to me a kind of forgettable but important episode and those ones can be hit or miss Um, it's not, this is going to be one of those episodes where the bits and pieces blend together and you see Even in this episode that I'm talking about this, I did blend some memories together. I was talking about Omega flying the ship and and learning lessons and all that kind of stuff. And part of that, I think, happened in this episode. I was listening to Charlie and Kate talk about this and uh, didn't, should have rewatched these right before I recorded, but um, that was this episode to me. So there were were a lot of badass moments and really important kind of building up to things things, but I think this was, this was a tipping point. This was, uh, aptly named because it kind of brought everything to a head. We, we see just like I just mentioned that the guys can't stay retired for long. They are brought back in. Um, yeah, they, they, they need to keep on fighting. They need, they're, they're not quite done yet. So, um, I did love one thing that that I I picked up on this one was I'm gonna say the hierarchy of of a hallway scene, and what I mean by that is we see Crosshair's skill in this one, even when he's injured, which is amazing. That's incredible to see him fight his way through a hallway and the the stormtroopers, even with him basically out of it. We see they don't stand a chance. He's just smarter, faster, better, and ready to go. Uh, compare that to a mall hallway scene, and we can kind of see like this guy's been cooped up and and defeated. But once he's unleashed, he's he's a force, uh, and and uses the force exclusively. No lightsabers needed. Uh, so we can see that. And and it kind of to me gives those power levels which I kind of like in Star Wars because you can see that a bunch of clones can take down some Jedi but you know they have to be overwhelming numbers it have to be by surprise Order sixty six style and we see in this that there's stormtroopers clone troopers clone force ninety nine soldiers uh, you know Jedi. And, and that's kind of like the hierarchy of, of who can do a good battle scene. Uh, I'd like to see some troopers, some clone troopers or even clone force 99 troopers versus Mando. Cause I think Mandalorians would fall just under Jedi on that, uh, that power scale, but it was interesting and cool to see, uh, Crosshair just tearing it up in a hallway and, and still, you know, it ended in, in his capture again, but, uh, it, it was still cool to see him take down so much. So this episode for me uh, I, I don't really have too much to add that the others didn't say so I'm, I'm gonna kind of stop it there but it was um it was a tipping point. It's good to see that they didn't do some filler for this which uh, they they haven't in my opinion really done this season they, have been moving along at a really really decent clip and even this episode where i know a couple of weeks couple of months away from this i'm going to get this episode just kind of jumbled in with everything else so important points but but kind of a a turning episode, a turning point episode. And like I said, aptly named. So there we go. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of friend force 99, but we are going to double up this week and, uh, and finish off the season. So look forward to that one coming soon. Thank you for listening. And as always, keep it right here on secret friends. Unite.